You're now listening to A New Coat of Paint, starring the owners of LJK Finishes, Lewis J. Katz, and Scott Katz. A New Coat of Paint is a podcast for independent painters, wallpaper hangers, and contractors of any size to discuss their craft, business practices, marketing strategies, and a lot more. For all your contracting questions, with a special expert lens on wallpaper, this is A New Coat of Paint. Thank you to Tooltags for all your tool tracking needs. Visit tooltagsapp.com for more info. Thanks. Welcome to the New Coat of Paint podcast, hosted by Lewis and Scott Katz. Good afternoon, Lewis. Good afternoon, Scott. How are you today? Well, you know, it's a beautiful spring day out there, so I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I can't complain when the weather is finally starting to get warm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we finally got some 50-degree weather. And today is 60 outside, or it's going to string together. So I mean, For a couple of days, anyway. Yeah, so. And, of course, this weekend is uh, daylight savings time. So for everybody out there, remember on Sunday to turn your clocks back. Or go ahead. It's spring ahead, fall behind. Which will also be nice. And then it's also almost your birthday, which I don't know <laughs> if we'll end up recording another episode in the next six days. So, um, you know, you bo- you were born the day Caesar was stabbed in his back. And to Brute. And so, uh, you know, a little shout out of a happy birthday there, too. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I think today we want to do an episode about some products that we have been using over the past few years that we've integrated into our daily use. There are a little bit of specialty projects for uh, specialty products for certain projects, but and also I just want to note that none of these companies or these products are affiliated with this podcast in any way. This is just... And we do not get any compensation. No. These are just products we happen to use and, and like, and we'd love to share them with you. And so we want to talk about some of the pros and cons, some of the uses of them, some of the integration of them into our crew and how the, we introduced our crew to them and how our crew got used to them and what the end result was and... Maybe help you guys expand what you're doing or take something that you've already been doing for a while and maybe find a new alternative product. It's always good to have multiple different products you can use in any given situation. These are some of our go-tos, but, you know, if you want to try something different, you want to try a different finish, a different style of install, this maybe can be helpful for you. Yeah, and, and we'll give you some of the quirks and, and uh, the, the, the observations that we have on uh, these products and how we feel about them. And, uh, you know, you can always uh, call, you know, give us a, a, a shout out online and let us know if you used any of those products and how you like them. Or if there's some products that you specifically like that you'd like to hear us talk about or that you find interesting that you think other people should know about, we'd always love feedback. Um, I want to start, let's start really in our wheelhouse and start with some wallpaper products that we use um, both in the short term and in the long term that are integral to installs. Um, there are two primers that we really want to talk about. The first one is, is our go-to primer. Is our go-to primer. And that is Draw Tight. Right, which is made by a company uh, called Scott Scotch. And they're uh, based out in California. It's not real easy to get here in New York, um, but in other places it is. Um, here in New York, only um, certain stores carry it because it has to be shipped in. Yeah. And not a national. Uh, you know, even though we are predominantly, because we're in the Northeast, Benjamin Moore paint users. This tends to be a product that we have to get from Sherwin-Williams. 
and from their, not even from all their stores, from very specific stores where we have relationships with the managers and the sales reps. Yeah, where they have to bring it in for us, they have to ship it in. Yes, and they bring it in for us and they sell it to other people, so that's why they continue to bring it in. But we find that this is the best primer for wallpaper. So, Lewis, why don't you tell us a little bit about why it's the best primer, some of the products we used going before we found this one, and how it's different than some of those products. Um, yeah, well, um, products have changed over the years, and uh, some of our old go-to products have been reformulated, and we're going to talk about one of them afterwards. But as far as draw tight goes, um, it, it was originally formulated to uh, repair sheetrock. That, that was it, its, uh, its impetus. And uh, they have other... Um, other products like Guards, which is made by Zinzer, which is a similar product, same polymer, just a little bit different formula, so they flow on differently and they seal the walls differently. Drawtite is specifically made for wallpaper. Um, if you have an issue on wall uh, your sheetrock, it will help uh, repair sheetrock. If you have to skim coat, you've pulled off paper, it's pulled off the face of the sheetrock, and you want to tie all those loose fibers down this is the product to use. Um, this is also a clear product. We use their clear. It's harder to get that pigmented. But they do have a pigmented product, which is one of the things that I really like about them, that if you know in advance that you need certain colored primers or you just want to prime them in white, you don't want to have to go around twice. Right. Or, I mean, you can get the clear tinted to a certain amount, very, you know, mid-range colors and light colors, not dark colors because it won't hold that much pigment, but uh, it can be tinted. Uh, what we usually do is we roll out a coat of flat latex on the walls of, of some sort of a primer that's going to seal the surfaces, you know, tie all the dust together, make sure after we've dusted it all down that there's no particulates out there, and then we seal our walls with draw tight in order to go over and make it an acceptable substrate for our wall coverings. Well, why don't we go into that a little bit? Why don't you tell us a little bit about why it's so important to prime walls before wallpaper? Well, first off, paint is not meant to be reactivated. So you're putting water on the wall. All your pastes are anywhere from 98% water, 97% water, and a few percent solids. So all that water, especially if it's a vinyl, has no place to go but into the wall. And if you have latex paint on the wall and it gets wet, it will not re-adhere to the wall. So latex primers and water-based primers are not, or even oil-based primers, are not your go-to um, when it comes to wall covering. You need something that's not going to interact or is going to interact with the, with the primer in order to create something that's going to create a system that's going to adhere to the walls. And draw tight is one of those products. Okay, and so what you're saying is it doesn't or it does reactivate and become... It doesn't reactivate on, on the walls. It seals them. So you have uh, plaster or, uh, you know, you're not, you're not sure about the paint. It's builder's flat. Perfect example. Builder's flat. This is going to penetrate through the builder's flat and grab onto the new sheetrock that's been installed so that you don't have a paint failure below your wallpaper because wallpaper is really tenacious. Certain papers could grow a quarter or a half an inch and then they want to tend to try to shrink back. You have to set those seams so that they don't come loose and they don't pop off. And that's why Drawtight is a really great product. It helps tie down uh, what's there. And, and make the wall covering adhere properly. Okay, that's some great information. Um, that leads us to another product that is pretty walls paper specific, but often get yet often gets misused. It has a very specific purpose now that has changed over a bunch of years, but it still tends to, it's one of our pet peeves, it still tends to get recommended by a lot of 
supply houses and paint stores and contractors who don't really know that it's changed or don't really understand wallpaper completely. And so they recommend it, and it can be a really big problem down the road. And so when it's used correctly, it's a wonderful product, but when it's used incorrectly, it could be the difference between a job being successful and a, a complete and abject failure. Uh, and, and we've seen both. Um, I've told contractors I don't know how many times, and that product happens to be R35. Not RX35, R35. They're very different products. And R35 is specifically, if you read the label, it's specifically for sealed surfaces. So if you have high-gloss paint, you have a glass door or a glass window, and you want to hang wallpaper on it, R35 is the product to use. But if you have flat paint, and you put it on flat paint, and then you put a Philip Jeffries on top of it, you have an issue. And Philip Jeffries and Gracie both have disclaimers on their boxes before you even open them. Big, large, orange labels that says, do not use R35. And even though those are the only companies that have specific labels, it's just not a good idea to use on flat walls for any wallpaper. Right. It's not for porous surfaces. It's for non-porous surfaces. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why it's not for porous surfaces and why it's good for glass or high gloss? Well, I, the, the type of acrylic that it is it sticks really well to, um, to high gloss surfaces and non-porous surfaces. Uh, whereas flat, it, it, because it reactivates, um, it's what I call a marrying primer. So when you put the wallpaper on top of it, the moisture that's in the paste will reactivate that primer. It will mix with the paste and then re-adhere to the wall. Problem is, if you're on a non-porous wall, uh, the, the uh, paste, the moisture is going to translate, transmit itself through that primer right to the wall, and that paint is not going to mix with the R35, and it's not going to re-adhere. And so you're going to have loose seams. And that's a really big problem. And I've seen it. Uh, it's not like this is something we're speculating about. Um, I've, I had a contractor in the city, Park Avenue job, told the, the guy not to put R35, don't do R35, told him a half a dozen times, got there, told him it was R35. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. We hung the paper and uh, half, the, half the seams in the room all popped. And Phil Jeffries didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want to hear about it because he was told. So he removed all the paper, reordered new paper, primed it properly, and then it got installed. And it was a perfect job. And it's still up today. So, uh, you know, it's really important to, to read the labels on the products to make sure the product is acceptable for what you're doing. Yeah, because R35 is a great example especially within this context that we're discussing, where when used in the correct situation, when used in the correct circumstances, yep. it's an excellent product. It's the perfect product for certain jobs. Absolutely. But when used incorrectly, it could have a devastating effect. And if you don't inform the customer, if you are not able to put your foot down and say, I can't hang on top of this, or if you're the person who says, no, it's fine, just do it, and then you have a wallpaper hanger do it, it can cause you a great deal of problems and, more importantly, a great deal of money. Oh, yeah. If you did it and uh, it's a P&J um, and the company is not going to replace the paper and you have to or you may lose a really big client. So you always want to make sure you're using the proper primers. And that's Philip Jeffries, which is a high quality but a much more affordable wallpaper than, let's say, for example, Gracie. Right. You could walk into a bedroom and Gracie could have $40,000 worth of just material, just right. wallpaper. Right. And if you hang that on R35 because somebody told you it was just okay to do and you didn't do your own research, and that $40,000 worth of wallpaper starts peeling off the walls, I mean, uh, that could be the difference between having a business and not having a business anymore. Absolutely. But let's move on from that because we don't want to talk about the negatives of a product. We happen to like... Uh, Roman products, and R35 is a great product for what it's supposed to be used for. Absolutely. Our warning is use it appropriately. That's our. That's a, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is 
this is a very specific product with a specific use that is wonderful until you go off-label. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is kind of the next level of quality in hanging wallpaper, and that's after you've prepped and primed, it's lining paper. Ah, uh, one of my favorite subjects. So lining paper, for people who don't know, lining paper is either a paper paper or a canvas or some sort of substrate. Non-woven, a non-woven, a substrate that you hang just like wallpaper on, um, as a first layer in between the primer and the wallpaper you're about to hang. And it provides a cleaner, flatter, better surface to hang on. Right. Well, it help, the first thing it does is it evens the porosity. And what I mean by that is the walls are going to absorb moisture at a certain rate. And some spots may absorb more and some spots may absorb less. When you put a lining paper, it's going to absorb all that moisture much more evenly, which is going to wick the moisture away from the paper. So if it's a paper, a water-sensitive wall covering, this is the perfect product for you because it's going to pull the moisture away so you don't get staining on your papers or your silks. Silk is another really, you know, it's a, it's a, a very high-end wall covering. It's a natural fabric. And anyone who has a silk suit or a silk tie knows you're not going to get it, you know, putting it in a washing machine. You're not going out in the rain with it because it's going to stain. So you want to be really careful with it. So by, by using a lining paper, it wicks it away. It also helps tie down the, the seams because it tends to grab the seams and help them set more uh, evenly and more securely. By the key to that is offsetting your seams. What you don't want to do is double the tension by hanging seam to seam with the lining paper and then you're double pulling at weak points. Right, and, and that's why sometimes you're going to want to do what they call cross-lining, which means you're going to hang this horizontally rather than vertically so that seams never line up. Um, the only issue you'll have is if uh, you have to remove a sheet later on. That, that's one of the few times that lining paper isn't your friend. Uh, trying to take a paper down that's on a liner may uh, cause other problems. But other than that, you're not, first off, the walls, if it's got any kind of roller texture at all, um, and thin papers or thin vinyls, thin non-wovens that go on top of a textured wall that has a roller texture, the orange peel, is going to show through. By putting a lining paper, you're going to get rid of or that. Or paper with a sheen on or it. Or paper with a sheen on it. Um, and then from there's some really good companies uh, like Cavalier that, uh, and we'll give a shout out to the Haranians. They are a phenomenal, great company to work with. Um, it's called Cavalier Liners. They make colored liners. The black, green, blue, red. Um, so that if you're doing a, a dark color wall covering, instead of having to prime a wall in black and then putting your clear primer on it, you can put your acrylic primer on it, whichever primer you're using, whether it be shields, guards, draw tight, or whatever else you're using as your wall covering primer, you can then just go and put the colored liner so that if there's any kind of show through, it's going to be even the color and it's going to, to uh, you know, not bleed through anywhere. And for example, with a black where rolling out one coat of black flat latex often is not going to be enough coverage to get the room to be really right. black. The black liner is black, black. Yeah, it's black and it's a one-shot deal. And so you hang it and then you hang your paper and you're not going to see white between the seams. Right. Right, exactly. So if, the, if, if something shrinks just a, a tiny, a, a, you know, a, a hair's breadth open, um, and if the wall is white behind a dark wall covering, you're going to see it. If the lining paper is the color of the wall covering or a dark color, it's probably not going to be seen. So lining papers are, are great for all those products. So uh, railroading is great. You can fill in over over doorways. You don't have to go you know seam to seam. You could do all your full sheets first and then go back and fill in. Uh, one of the important things is to not have a overlap seam. You don't want it wired because anything that you know that you put over it is going to show through. So you want to make sure that you know the walls are properly pre prepped properly, primed properly. 
Then you hang your lining paper, making sure the seam isn't open, but it's also not wired. And you want to cut a little bit short at, at door frames, baseboards, and, and, and ceiling lines so that when you cut the next paper, you're not going to see any liner. Um, here's a question, a, a trick of the trade. Do you recommend priming over lining paper? Um, it depends on what you're hanging and what kind of liner you're using. Paper liner is not typically needed unless you're hanging a wall covering that delaminates really quickly. That means you're not going to get any movement whatsoever. It's going to die on the wall, and if you try to reposition it, the backing is going to start to come loose or and delaminate. So uh, you have to be careful with that. Uh, you have to know your products and, and what you're installing. And uh, there are times where, yes, you can prime. Um, sometimes we glue size. So we take the adhesive that we're using as the final product, we thin it out, and we roll a coat of, of uh, thin paste on the wall. That will help it absorb a little bit less and uh, give you a little bit more slip when you're, you're playing with it. Okay, that's some great tips. Those are some good wallpaper primers and some good wallpaper tricks. Let's go on to some preparation. Preparation tools, preparation products that we've begun using in the past maybe 8 to 10 years. Um, and I think the good place to start would be Easy Sand. Ah, uh, Easy Sand, the, the, the development from Durabond. Easy Sand, just in case people don't know, is a powdered compound in which the particles are heavier than air. So when you do sand it, the particles tend to drop right down to the ground a lot faster as opposed to hovering air for a long period of time. It's also easier to sand Easy Sand versus Durabond, which is the same company, still uh, USG, uh, United States Gypsum Supplies, UGS, uh, whatever. And it is a product that when you put Durabond on, you're not sanding Durabond down. So if you have a really large patch that's really deep, you'll use Durabond in it in order to uh, fill the space. But you want to put Easy Sand as your last coats <clears throat> because it's just that. It's easy sand. So it's going to sand down to a really smooth product. Uh, products like these, they have 5, 20, 40, 5, and 90 uh, minute dry times. So if you're in a pinch and uh, you want to get something done, you know, right before you start hanging, you see some things. Or that start painting. Or start painting. You're going to go, go and use a, a five minute set. If you are doing a whole room, you're going to use a 90-minute set because you're going to mix it up a big batch and you're going to float it out and you can mix up a large amount without it drying out on you too fast. And it's a great product to use. Um, we used to use compound and, and, and compound takes days and days to dry. Plaster sets in two minutes, so you couldn't use that, so we used to mix them. And I'm not a big guy, big on, on mixing products when not <coughs> necessary. Um, that was old school. It's what we did when we didn't have a product to replace it. Now we do, when we have easy sand. And uh, if you want something that's going to set up and dry, this is the one, that's the product to use. And so I think we could talk a little bit here about the transition from going from compound to Durabond slash easy sand because... There's a lot of people out there who use compound and the idea of mixing a powdered product or using a different product that they're not used to can seem daunting or can seem like it's an unnecessary change when they have something that works and they know how it works. And our crew certainly went through that. We have guys who are great with plaster, great at skim coating, great to the level that they could do Venetian plasters and, and faux finishes like that. And repair uh, plaster moldings. And we, they were compound users. That's what they used. That's what they learned how to use. That's what they were taught how to use. And then we introduced them to Durabond and then later Easy Sand. 
And like any transition from what somebody knows and what somebody's used to, to the new thing, there's pushback, there is unhappiness, there's discomfort, and there's a learning curve. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. But once you have that learning curve down, uh, our guys couldn't live without I mean, I, I don't know the last time they asked us for a bucket of compound. Or the last time we had to buy one. Yeah, I mean, we have certain products when we skim coating, we use, uh, we use compounds. But uh, to do anything else, uh, the thing about Dorabon versus Joint Compound, Joint Compound has a ton of water. You're not in control of that mixture. And it shrinks. It takes days to dry if it's too thick of a, of a coating. And while it's, it's drying, it shrinks. And you get big cracks in it. It can fall out because it's pulling itself away from the wall. With Dorabond, is not going to shrink, as I was saying before. It's a big patch. You're going to use Dorabond in it because it's going to fill the patch without shrinkage. And it's going to pull tight and it's going to dry in 90 minutes. Or, you know, an hour and a half is not that long for it to set up so that you have a nice smooth coat on the walls. And that's one of the big advantages. Um, instead of having to use plaster, which is so hard to work with, well, unless yeah. you're doing smaller one amounts. One of the best things about Durabond and Easy Sand is the, the range. If you're going to skim coat a room, you can buy a bunch of bags of 90 Right, you can mix an entire bag, which gives you ninety minutes to work with that entire bag, and then that by the end of the ninety minutes, you're basically ready for another coat on whatever areas you've already done. But if you are in a, you're in a rush and you need to make a quick patch, you're in the middle of painting a room, you don't like the way one spot looks, and you have a little square or a, a, even a big you know circle circle area that you want to touch up quickly, patch quickly, you can use a five or a 20 and mix a little bit at a time, get it on the wall and not lose your whole day or have to come back a second time to do one spot because the compound wasn't dry enough. Yeah, which is, is always crazy. The thing you remember, it's hot mud, you know, um, like plaster. These are hot muds. Plaster is very hot. Um, it heats up. That's how it dries. Um, there's a chemical reaction in there. It, it, it super moves the, the molecules, which creates friction, which creates heat, which goes over and helps make the moisture evaporate from the paint. That's like when you're painting in, in a room with latex paint or water-based uh, acrylics and all the windows get fogged. That's the, the chemical reaction that the, the water that is in those products is being released. So you got to be careful. If you're putting hot mud on something, you want to make sure that it's not going to uh, counteract itself and do a litmus uh, test on it so that it doesn't stain your paint or your wall covering later. That's some good advice. Um, another product that's more of a physical product as opposed to plaster or compound is frog clips. Frog clips are metallic clips meant for sheetrock patches. And if you want to talk a little bit about what is good about frog clips and when to use them. Well, you know... And again, once also again, the transition from doing traditional blowout patches as opposed to using frog clips. All right, so you have a hole in your wall. You can do it a few ways. You can take a piece of sheetrock... You can make, a, make that hole into a square and cut some sheetrock, pull off some of it so that the paper is there and do what they call a blowout patch. You could, in the old days, we would blow a balloon up into the space and uh, that would hold the plaster until uh, the plaster dried. Um, you could take a piece of wood and you would screw it in. Then you had to find the wood that was lying around and cut a piece for it and then try to make the, 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 the plaster or the sheetrock patch fit into the space. Well, with frog clips, basically if you have, let's say, a six inch hole, you cut a one by one foot uh, square of sheetrock, you put it over the hole, draw a line, cut it out, slip in four uh, frog clips, <clears throat> put four screws to hold them in place, put the patch right in, screw those four holes in, and then break off the tabs and you now have a perfectly filled hole. 
in minutes versus playing games. Then you just tape it and finish it, just like anything else. It's secure. Frog clips are also good if you're a sheetrocker um, because it's allowed by inspectors. Um, the, the laws are written, written up so that if your sheetrock comes past a stud, you can put on a, on a four foot by eight foot board, you can put four or six clips along the edge of that sheetrock board and put the next board to it uh, without having a stud. <laughs> and if you do sheetrock, you know how much time you spend. Um, it's great for builders too because they make a right angled one. So if you come to an inside corner and there's one less a stud in the corner, which saves a contractor a ton of money, um, you can put a right angled uh, frog clip on and then screw it in and you have a perfectly acceptable sheetrock corner. So that there's some really great things with, with, with frog clips. And I mean, how did you discover them, and what is the what do you think the response has been from the crew? Because once again, they learned how to do things one way, and then we introduced them to this new product, and there was a bit of pushback, a little bit of convincing, a bit of you know, try this one time, see how easy it is, and you know, then make your determination. Uh, also, I let them go over, and you know, they fight a fight with me. <clears throat> I let them make a couple of mistakes and then I came in and go, okay, let me show you something. And I showed them how to do it right and now they're doing it and they're like, okay, we need to stop and pick up frog clips. Um, let me keep some, I'm ordering them by the hundred. So this way the guys have clips in their bags so that if they have to repair something, they have it already. So, um, you know, there's always a learning curve and once the learning curve is gone, usually if it's something that's easier, your crew is going to want to go over and use it. And that helps you become more efficient. More efficient, quicker, and cleaner. It's less work. It's less dirt. Mm -hmm. It's less hassle. <clears throat> so when you combine those two, when you're using both Easy Sand and Frog Clips, you can take something that used to take a couple of, you know, a day or two days to remedy and remedy it in 15 minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes, an hour, you can have a, a blow. Instead of putting in a blowout patch that, that may take longer to dry, and then and using compound in them. They need or even if you're using Durabond on it or, or Easy Sand on it, you're not getting a great, you're not getting a bond. It's just not the same um, when you do a blowout patch. This is a solid uh, way of fixing something where you're not going to have a problem later. It's not going to peel on you. It's not going to crack on you. It's going to be there securely. And, and it's way easier once you figured out how they work than to play games. Absolutely. Um, another tool that's actually a tool tool that we... That goes along with those two other products is... Is Festool. Um, it's a brand. It's not one specific tool. It is a system that I believe is German. It is. And it is a system where your tools, whether they be saws or for us sanding machines that tie and vacuums. That tie directly into vacuums, which are very high-end HEPA filtered vacuums. Some of them are even self-cleaning. And it allows you to do work in spaces with minimal to no dust. Yeah, I mean, we, were, we were pretty impressed the first time we saw a demo on this. Um, they came out to our job site and we were skim coating ceilings and it was on terrazzo floors. We had no drop cloths down in the lobby and the guy pulled out his Festool and started sanding before we had a chance to cover and we didn't have to clean anything. <laughs> that was the day I bought our first Festool. Um, it, it was pretty impressive. Um, their, their sanding system is pretty amazing. We've taken off popcorn ceilings with it. Uh, We've taken off old wallpaper glue. Oh, well, yeah. Let me tell you, when we were in, we just did a building in, uh, in Riverdale where it had old clay-based adhesive from 54-inch vinyl that had been up for 15 years, and they were finally redoing it. And the elevator was going to be uh, a nightmare getting up and down to get fresh, clean water to each floor and changing bucket after bucket after bucket in order to wash down the old adhesives. 
we basically came in and sanded all the walls down with a Festool, and we didn't have to wash the walls at all. We dusted them down, and then we wiped them down with wet cloths to make sure there was no dust, and we were done, and, and cut our time probably in half. Yeah, and I mean, they come with a wide variety of tools, and one of the other things that I love about them is they all come with their sustainer boxes, which are interlocking and incredibly organized and easy to maintain. And also the company has lifetime warranties on everything, so if something breaks or, or fails, they fix it, they replace it. Their reps have always been helpful, and they're always innovating. They're always coming out with new products and improving on their old products, whether it be trying to find a compromise, because let me tell you something, the one thing Festool is not is cheap, yeah. but they are well worth the money. Yes, a Festool system can cost you anywhere from 600 to $1,000 without blinking an eye, but the amount of money that you can make on a $1,000 item like that is, you can make that $1,000 back in one real job. Let me tell you, just just the, the dust factor alone for clients, when we walk in and they see us sanding and there's no dust anywhere, our clients are like, oh my goodness, this is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you very rarely, if ever, will have someone come in and go, wow, what a great paint job. But they will come in and go, oh my God, I can't believe how clean you are. And it, not just that, but when you focus on cleanliness like we do and when cleaning is a very important part of the job, one of the beauties of the Fest tool is not only does it give a good and professional impression to the customer, but it also saves you a bunch of time. Oh, because yeah. what you're not doing is taking out your pole sander, sanding down a wall, and then having to wipe everything down and vacuum everything up and then wipe the surfaces down and then vacuum again an hour later after the rest of the dust settles and so on and so forth. And so by doing, by using the Fest tool, you're spending a little bit of money up front, but you're eliminating multiple steps down the road that cost time and money. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, it's great. I and mean, you can also get a, a Y connector, so you can be running two machines at the same time. Um, they've come out with things like collated uh, drills where you put a band of nails or screws in rather and you can sheetrock or do uh, floors and you can do um, decking and so on where you have the really high powerful uh, 18 volt batteries that last a long time and uh, you know you have one screw after another so there's some really great products they even have for their sanding machine they have a soft block that once you start to rub it over the molding, it will actually conform to the shape of the molding so that it will sand every curve and every indentation on that molding so that you get the best sanding that you possibly can. And it's amazing when you have, you know, let's say a thousand feet of handrail that has a little bit of detail in it, you make this molding, and then you're basically not trying to fiddle in, getting into the little edges inside around the little details. You're just able to take your palm sander, connect it to the vacuum, and just run it right over the the, the rail. It's amazing. Sand the whole thing and get mm -hmm. every spot that you need to get. And done. you can get a bunch of different heads. So I mean, there's certain moldings that we all know that are standard that we're going to see all the time. So you can actually create heads for specific moldings so that when you come into a house and it has that type of molding, you're going to go over and pull it out. You already own it and you're going to create, you know, a, a, you know you're going to just attach it to your machine and you're good to go. Absolutely. And once again, this is an upfront cost, but the amount of money that you save by investing in your business in this way can be astronomical. And that's why we also use tool tags to mark equipment like this because of the price of the equipment. You don't you want to know where it is. So we use a company called Tool Tags to mark our items, and uh, it's a great way of going over, making sure we know where that where these tools are as well. Okay. So I guess you know we. I don't want to go too long, so we have maybe fifteen or twenty more minutes. So I want to touch on a couple of other 
products that we have been using in the past five to ten years that are also very specific products. Um, one of the ones that I'd like to bring up is the one of the paints that we use now when we do kitchen cabinets or, or furniture for spraying. It is Circa. Circa is an Italian company. They make both waterborne and solvent products, and they can get you anywhere from flat all the way up to 99 sheen, to real, real high gloss. And Circa is it's a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit different to work with than... It's traditional. not a roll-up. Yeah, it's not it's, a roll-up you product. Have to, it's, it's, it's a spray-on-only product, and it's a little bit different than your traditional Ben Moore or Sherwin-Williams paint, but it provides some very unique and very high-quality features to the work that you're doing. Um, one of the things, for example, that convinced me to even start using it is... When we had the rep come in originally and start talking about the product with us, they brought out a sample door that had been sprayed with a Circa in high gloss, was fully dried and cured, and he pulled a quarter out of his pocket and started sc scraping up and down. Rubbing it on the door. On the door, and it wasn't scraping or scuffing or taking sheen off. It wasn't leaving lines. It wasn't putting indentations. It, it's a pretty good. Uh, it, it's a. It's a very high quality product. It dries really hard, and it also, like we were discussing with Durabon and Easy Sand, it dries significantly faster than most other paint products, and so it gives you a an ability to get multiple coats on in a day. So if you have a door rack system and you're going to spray 50 doors for kitchen cabinets, you could do two or even three coats depending on how big the doors are and how good your crew is. You can do two or three coats on these products in any given day as opposed to having to do one coat a day and letting it dry. Exactly. And when you can combine both getting a extremely high quality finish with a quicker and easier install in a lot of ways, you are really coming out ahead. The one thing I will say is just like many other high quality or improving products, there is a bit of a unearly investment. In order to spray this product correctly, that brings us to another tool that we've been using for a few years is the air-assisted airless sprayer. The air-assisted airless sprayer is quite a bit more expensive than an air-assisted or an HVLP, but it... An airless or an HVLP, yeah. But it is as high a quality of a spray machine as you can get. And if you, want to, if, if you have someone who knows how to spray and once they've learned how to dial in this machine... Uh, there's no beating it. The quality of the of the spray patterns and the control and the that you control have, that the you consistency have is amazing. It's learning how to though to tune in a machine, just like anyone who sprays. If you're out there spraying, it'll take you a little bit, but once you've learned how to use this machine, uh, I think that you're probably going to want to use this as your go-to. Um, I I mean I agree. Our sprayer, our employee that does our high-end spray work, he really liked the airless, and he really liked, we have a, a couple of nice HVLP guns, but when he found, when we introduced him to this, and he, you know, once again, with a learning curve, learned how to dial in the compressor, and the biggest difference between the air-assisted and the other two guns is you really get, because it's air-assisted, it's got a compressor built in with the machine, it sprays it pushes cool air through the system so you're not drying paint in the system and it produces a consistent, consistent spray. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the, the amount of pressure that's on there uh, can be dialed down to an amount that, that you can't achieve with a regular airless. 
And unlike the HVLP, which pushes hot air through the system, it won't, for a product like this, crystallize the paint in the in the gun or in the tip or in the tube. Right. And it, it, I mean, HVLP stands for high volume, low pressure. So, uh, you know, uh, it's not a product that low pressure is really uh, meant for. You need a little bit more pressure to push this through the machine and uh, you don't need high volume. You want to actually tune it down so that you're not pushing so much paint because you don't want it to run. So there's a little bit of a difference uh, in the type of products that you're using. And I think that brings us to the last product that we want to talk about, and that is epoxy for epoxying floors. That's work that we've kind of developed a new part of our business over the past five to ten years, and it's a good moneymaker. It's another one of those specialty things that can be increasing extremely photogenic and be a real wow factor to it. And epoxying floors is something that many people need. It's great for garages. It's great for workspaces. It's great for warehouses. And the product that we've been using is Benjamin Moore's Coratech. Which is a great product. It's, it's, it's fairly easy to install. And it's, it's like everything else. Preparation is everything. You got to make sure there's no grease on anything. You have to scarify. You have to make sure the PSI of the concrete, concrete is, is strong, is strong enough. Uh, you know, so it, it's, I mean, uh, one of the great tests is to make sure there's not enough moisture. Um, I'll throw out a, a quick tip for you. If you want to know how much moisture is in your floor, or if there's too much moisture in your garage floor, take a piece of uh, four or six mil plastic, cut a one by one square, duct tape it to the floor, and let it sit for a day or two. Um, if moisture accumulates on that plastic, that means that there's too much water in, in the system. And, uh, you know, you don't want to have too much water in your, your cement. You have to make sure that the porosity is right and so on. So it's preparation is everything like everything else. But when you put a product like this on there, their high gloss product or their broadcast products are absolutely amazing. Yeah, and one of the other things I like about Coratech is... It gives you a really consistent feel of the product, and they have a range of products. So the one that we like to sell the most of is the 100% solid, which is a squeegee on product that can go on anywhere from 5 to 30 mils thick. Right. And really will give you a, a factory floor level, a warehouse floor level finish, whether it be in a garage or in a warehouse where, I mean, it's rated to drive... Um, you know, truck, a tractor trailer over it. over it. Yeah, or to drive a forklift on top of top it. Top of it, exactly. Where you're not going to be pulling it up and you're not going to be scuffing it and you're not going to be damaging it. Mm -hmm. And it also have, they have 80% solid, which is a roll-on product and a little bit thinner and closer to a paint finish, but it's, an it's still an epoxy, so it gives you that waterproofing. It gives you that durability. Yeah, so I mean, those are uh, some of the epoxy products that you you can use, and you can get it in all kinds of colors and all kinds of finishes. Um, there are other companies that we're starting to explore now for some of the finishes that they have that you can't get from other companies, um, but we're really loving it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. I think that, and like I said, I think that Coratech from Benjamin Moore if people don't know about it or aren't in what a what is a Benjamin Moore dominant type of area, it's certainly something you could look into. It's a product that we've found that has a very small learning curve, is really easy to use, it comes in a variety of colors, it has uh, many different systems for use for basically whatever you're looking to do. Yeah, and what else do we want to talk about in specialty products? I think that kind of sums it up. I think we've given you a pretty good list of the products that we've been using yeah, and why. we've taken you from preparation all the way through sanding and priming and lining papers. And so these are, like I said, these are some products you can investigate. We, we didn't want to go too far into any one of them individually. This is more of like a recommendation and a suggestion podcast. Um, 
For example, we talked a little bit more about the Coratech in the interview with David from Benjamin Moore a few episodes ago. And we'd like to get some other representatives going forward to interview about some of these products and go into slightly more details. But as we know personally, contractors tend to like to do their own research, their own trial and error, their own testing. And so these are some of the products that we thought you guys might like to give a shot and see if it is better or the same or maybe even worse than what you've been using and why. And like I said, we'd love to get some feedback. Yeah, and if you have a product that you think that we should know about, oh, please tell us about it, whether it be a tool or a technique or a product uh, that you're using that you think is phenomenal, let us know. We'll, we'll share it with other people or we'll keep it to ourselves if that's what you want. But we would love to hear uh, anything you have to say about the, uh, about products. Absolutely. And once again, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, at some point during the publishing of this podcast, we're going to break 700 listens. And we really can't thank you or tell you how much we appreciate you guys enough. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following. Thanks for subscribing. And we really hope that you're enjoying our podcast and we as we do more and more we continue to try and learn and improve and we hope that you we can learn and grow with you guys yeah so happy uh st patty's day to all our irish friends out there um happy ides of march uh merry spring and uh enjoy the weather out there folks absolutely enjoy the weather hopefully everybody gets really busy now that vaccine rollout is in full speed we're hoping that maybe this covid craziness can slowly but surely come to an end at the light of the end of the tunnel is not just an oncoming train and we can all get back to some business as usual have a great day guys and thanks again Thanks for listening to a new coat of paint podcast. As always, these are your hosts, Scott and Lewis Katz. Please look us up on Twitter at new underscore coat or on Facebook at new coat of paint podcast. As always, we appreciate any likes, follows, listeners, and subscribers. Have a great day and thank you.